you for listening to this message from the North Gate. I had a big message laid out for you all about hope deferred that makes the heart sick and how we marry our faith. We come into the highest degree of revival. And it was awesome. It's a great message. And I prayed today and I just got wrecked. Woke everybody up crying. How many of you since COVID, and honestly, I don't think it has a whole lot to do with COVID. How many of you, after COVID went on like a year or so, you start struggling a little bit personally? Raise your hand. It's okay. That was me. Like, I don't know if it was like delayed trauma effect from the lockdowns or something. I, I handled it good. I made jokes about it. I shared a lot of memes on Facebook. But it just felt like something was holding, even my devotional life, there was just something there that just, like I was hitting a wall. I still heard the Lord, but it was just different. It was just harder. And I know there were some personal lessons the Lord was talking to me and all that. Um, but man, we're, we're in such a move where we celebrate the goodness of God so much, we forget that there's a devil sometimes. I don't like talking about stinky, so don't worry, I'm not going to talk about him. But, but the Bible is clear. You know, I was reminded this week when I was reflecting on it of Zechariah 1. I believe it's in verse 20 where it talks about there's horns that were released into the world that, that held down the heads of God's people. And so the Lord was raising up four craftsmen to be released. And the prophet Zechariah got to witness that. And he asked the angel, he's like, what is this? He's like, these are the four craftsmen that are going to destroy and terrify the horns that have been holding down God's people. And I believe we've come out of that. So if any of you are still wrestling with hope deferred, because I've been praying into it for months behind the scenes. We prayed into it with Dale and Armin a few times. We come down, we were discerning things, and we started to pray for some of you to come out of that. Like, Bill Johnson always says, I'm 15 minutes away from depression. He's like, you try having 200 pastors and one decision you make could ruin the careers of them and how they support their families. It's like, that's a lot of stress. She's like, whenever I feel that coming, I have to, I have a choice. I have a choice to choose what's going right or I have a choice to choose on focus on what's going wrong. And when I focus on what's going wrong, I'm 15 minutes away from depression. But when I focus on him, depression's not even in the playbook. Amen. And I believe some of us, again, I'm not teaching. I just feel like I want to talk to the family tonight. Is that okay? Some of us tasted another degree of awakening when this thing happened with Josh Bell. How do I know? Because how you would come pre-service prayer, some of you late, and not, this isn't correction, I'm just saying not really fully engaged, Praying for Josh Bell, you come fully alive. And I'm here to tell you that's who you really are. You see, God is so personal. He wants to make history with us. And he wants to make history with the whole family with us together. And we've seen it time again, but I think we've forgotten how many of our big prayers have been answered in this city. And we could go through and list them all. I mean, honestly, we have to, Jen and I do that sometimes or I'll do it with Pastor Mama T. It's like you can't even remember them all. 
IHOP, all these things that happen throughout the city. <clears throat> Even farm and family prayed for things to come, the country that are that are, have class and could help fathers and sons could get equipment to go fish and do things together. And all these small things that we forget about that we pray. You know, big stuff like the adoption, houses, all these things. It's just time and time again, the last nine years have been so incredible. <coughs> so when Ben Robbins came a few months ago, last winter, was it? He gave me a word and said, like, Mike, you're going to see the dead raised. I'm like, yeah. But y'all didn't realize, you always hear about the prophetic side of me, but you didn't realize in the very beginning, the very first word I did get was about being a prophet. From an unexpected place, honestly, but I won't get into that. The, but what, what I burned for that first year or two was miracles, signs, and wonders. Because I would hear, and it wasn't about chasing wonders to me, it was like, I would hear testimonies of what would happen in Africa and around the world on mission trips. I knew people that went to Columbia and they would see like tumors the size of baseballs shrink right before their eyes and they would come back and talk about how awesome it was. And something inside of me said, God, we shouldn't have to go to mission field to see that. We should see it right here. So I used to hear these testimonies of the dead being raised by David Hogan and Heidi Baker and I would sit alone and, uh, my apartment by myself and at home and different things even when I was living at home. And I would say, God, I want to see the dead raise. I want to see the dead raise. And I forget about that. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I want to see 24-7 prayer and we pray these things that I would forget about it ever happened. So when Ben came in, there's two people that ever came here that discerned us. One was Mark Casto when he came to a school ministry night. He said, he prophesied, he said, Big Mike, there's something on you that no one knows about that you used to long to see, and God's reawakening you. It's going to be a time where you're going to see it manifest. And I knew exactly what he was talking about, because Joe Channel and I used to go to the streets and see people healed and take off the brace, and I thought they were joking. Remember that, Joe? This guy took off his brace after we prayed for him. I had no faith. It was like saying to the gas tank, I was like, there's no way this guy's getting healed. Uh, young dude in the, in the projects in Wyndham takes his brace off and goes, how did you do that? And I'm like, nah, man, you don't have to mess with me. That's so much faith I had. Nah, dude, it's okay. If you didn't get healed, we'll just kind of go on. Just don't, don't make fun of us. It ain't cool. He's like, no, really? Really? Remember that, Joe? And me and him looked at each other like, God really healed him. But Ben spoke that to me and see, what I don't want you to miss is this. There's a lot of times where God speaks through people, and we, we know this loosely, but I want to remind you that when God speaks to a family or a family member, that word, yes, it could be for them personally, but there's probably a reason why they got called out, but it's really for the entire family. You see, and God likes to kill two birds with one stone sometimes. Sometimes he has a purpose. And as I was reminded of this, it was like the Lord was reminding me this morning, he's like, with this whole Josh Bell thing I'm praying into, and he says, Mike, did you not remember all the times you used to stay up at night and cry out to me and say, Lord, I want to see the dead raise? I'm answering your prayer. And so I think Ben called me out because there's a piece of me that I left in a back burner that kind of died back. This piece, and I, I haven't prayed for that in years. 
maybe 10 years. I don't, I don't, I can't recall one time actually praying that personally, privately in my prayer life for at least a decade, maybe longer. And so when Ben prophesied, it was like something comes awaken again. Like, you know what? You know, part of that unbelief rises up and you're like, nah, man, I, I've, I've longed for this, but I've laid this down and haven't thought about it. And here we have this, this situation with Josh, which is tragic, but I'm sitting there going, and you hear Pop declaring he was supposed to be dead in minutes. And two weeks later, he's opening his eyes all the way for the first time and responding. And now they're expecting him to recover, right? The doctors who for weeks... It was hard that first night, Monday night, I ain't going to lie. It was hard. Everybody's crying. There's Amaris, Victoria, Josh's parents. I didn't recognize them at first. I'm like, wait, are you Josh's dad? Came right in the parking garage in front of us. It just got heavy. It got heavy. And I'm like, man, what the heck did I just pray for an hour and a half? And all I kept hearing was Armin's voice on the phone. And I, I was full of faith in the phone. But I got in the ER, I wasn't full of faith I had, I had about 30% faith, 30% unbelief, and about 40% going, what the heck just happened? I'm a false prophet. I'm going to get stoned. What the heck was I hearing? Did I just make all that up? Was it emotionalism? You know what I'm saying? Can I be real for a minute? And as I just set a time prayed it, to pray today, the Lord started reminding me, did I not tell you this is coming? See, my religious fervor, I thought raising the dead looked like sitting up like Frankenstein. And every time Pastor would talk about it years ago about Marky being raised from the dead, I'm like, he didn't sit up like Frankenstein. He didn't like sit up. That's not like raised from the dead. There's a part of me that would think that. The part of me is just a mental thing, right, Cookie? You know how we like analytical thinkers, we think. I'm like, well, technically, and the Lord's like, did he not? Was he dead and come back? Yes, he was raised from the dead. I'm like, okay, Lord, you win. But inside of me, I was like, yeah, but it wasn't like Lazarus, he like jumped out of the tomb, you know what I'm saying? And I think we'll get there. I know it sounds crazy if you're new to this, you're like, this dude's insane. I'm just telling you, it says it in the Bible. And if I believe one part of it, I got to believe all of it. And it says it, so I got to believe the whole thing. But what I want to remind you of tonight, the reason why I'm telling this story, it's not about me. Don't, don't, if you hear it wrong, you're going to think it's about me. I'm telling you this to tell you how personal God is to you in regards, in the context of the, the family. <clears throat> We're praying this. I get a personal word that's really a word for the house. You know why God called me out? It's the same reason why he called Peter out. Peter denies Christ. He cuts a dude's ear off, right? Before he denies Christ, he's like, I'm going. And Jesus is like, nah, bro, you're going to deny me three times for the cockroaches. And he's like, oh, I'm never going to do that. So Peter wasn't a complete wuss. They came to get him. He pulled, sucker pulled a sword out. Now, I don't know if any of you actually thought about it. The Bible says he cut a dude's ear off, right? He probably wasn't aiming for the ear. Probably didn't know how to use a sword. He was probably trying to cut the dude's head off. And by the grace of God, he missed. Because how, how many of you know, like, I'm going to cut your ear off. I never heard that in my life. Maybe Mike Tyson. I don't know. He tried, he, I, he didn't go for the ear. He went for the head and he missed because the dude probably moved and he got lucky. I mean, it wouldn't matter anyway. Jesus would have prayed his head back on if he, if he healed his ear. That would have been, that would have been a little cooler story, but I mean, Peter, Peter missed. Peter would have hit it. It would have been, 
So Peter goes from that failure. He was already called a devil by Jesus all the same night. Then he chops the dude's ear off. He tries to murder a dude, then hits his ear. Jesus has to say, nah, bro. So that's, God, that's hard to correction. Jesus, wasn't, Jesus didn't call him a devil, but that's hard. Man, I try to kill a dude, and Jesus is like, no, I'm going to heal him. I'm like, I've been with him for three years. What am I doing? Then he denies him. So when Jesus resurrects, here's the point. He says something to Mary. He says, go tell my disciples and who? And Peter. Why did he call Peter specifically by name? Because I have to imagine that after being called the devil, after trying to murder a guy, and after denying Christ to his face because of a teenage girl, there had to have been something that instantly died in Peter. Where I'm kind of surprised he didn't take his own life like Judas. And so when Mary sent, and she says, he told me to tell his disciples and Peter. I bet there was something in Peter's heart that came alive again. Sometimes you think he calls people my name because they're special. Sometimes he's just calling them by name to let them know, I never left you, even though you left me. And I'm calling you by name to reawaken something in you. That fierce love, Justin, gets you, and it looks you square in the face. And no matter how bad you feel or how much you feel like you lost everything, it looks you right in the face just like the first time he got you. And he says, I refuse to give up on you. Oh. That word for Ben was for the North Gate. It was also to awaken something in me. Man, and it sucks that Josh had to go through this. But I'm telling you, it's been a pivotal moment, Victoria, because God didn't do this to Josh. But he's turning off for good. And he's, he's using the one whose name means salvation to awaken this entire family back to their first love and back to their radical devotion to Christ. Far be it from us to fall back into complacency. Sunday morning church, hope deferred that makes the heart sick. We have too many testimonies to be depressed in this house. In fact, if you're still depressed after being here for years, you really lost sight. You failed to, and it's not shame thing, you failed to remember every answer prayer that he's given us because there's just too many of them to be depressed. And in our self-pity, we, we forget all those things. So I don't care if I hear Sam's testimony of adoption a thousand more times. It's not about attention. I don't care if I hear Marky's testimony a thousand more times. I don't care if I hear Josh Bell's testimony the rest of my life. I pray Sam, who's too young to even know what's going on, will, will talk about this. They'll, they'll share stories about this. And when we do future Book of the North Gates, it won't just be apostles' words. And I love that. I love that. But it will be testimonies and stories handed down. I pray scribes like Katie Lynn would take these and write them. And Sam's kids would get to read what Papa Jimmy, 80 years old, they'll look at him and they're like, is that true, Papa Jimmy? 
you prayed for two people and raised the dead? And he'd be like, no, son. We raised two from the dead. That was just the beginning. You haven't got to the other book yet. God wants to make history with you. He wants to make history with your kids, your grandparents. He wants to make history with us. He's making history with this nation. There's power in a made-up mind. When I said all that, it's not to knock anyone that struggles with anxiety or depression. What I'm telling you is, I get it could get clinically serious, but I'm telling you, it's a choice. If you don't have wiring wrong in your nervous system, a chemical thing, I'm telling you, there's a choice. Choose what you allow to dwell in your mind. Because as I just sit there and recount everything, and I'm reading that testimony with Josh, I was like, my God, every update's a testimony. Even, was it last week, Victoria, that gave us another bad report? And at that point, we're just like, heck no. He didn't save him for a week to let him die a week later. There ain't no way in heck hell's going to win. There's no way in heck hell's going to win. I feel that about the kids. And I'm not prophesying. This is my heart. Hear me out. Don't come back. Well, you said this or that. I'm telling you, far be it from us that these kids come back and we get in the way and distract them and and let them. Come on. If it happens again this time, parents, it's on us. How many more times they got to go burn and come back home and have to go down and, and get caught on fire again? And this isn't a shame thing, dude. Hear me. You want to know what I pray for for this family? I pray people like Timo. When I hear him pray, man, I get freaking rocked to the core. He's my favorite prayer person right now. It's like Apostle, Pastor, Timo. No offense to any of y'all. I'd much rather hear him pray than myself. Some of you probably agree, amen. But I dream of a youth that don't have to be provoked that's in school. Just We saw it in West Virginia. Mel was a part of that revival. She witnessed it just a handful of years ago where people in the lunchroom begin to pray on their own. It's not organized. They just pray, turns into three or four, turns into a dozen, turns into 20, turns into two, turns into multiple schools coming to a football stadium. And then the denomination comes in and sends their guy who didn't start it, and they kill it. And parents, I feel like we need to be a shield wall. Come on, you ever see Vikings or 300? I want to be a shield wall for these kids. And when religion comes, I'm going to be like, oh, hell no. Shield wall! Even if it's five of us that come down and pray, and it's me and Mitch and Armin, and we just... Ain't going to happen. Come on, we prayed and prophesied that Streetsboro Stadium would be full of youth revival. Bob Jones prophesied Jacob's Field, which if you don't know, is Progressive Field. The Jacob generation, Psalm says, the ones who seek the face of God will meet in Jacob's Field, and there is much worship there. 
I had a dream of a baseball stadium with youth movement and worship and prayer going on, and I had no idea where it was because I'd never been to Jacobs Field, and I went to a tribe game because in a dream, there was like stadium, stadium, and a big split that you walk through, like a concourse, and I went to a tribe game, and I walked through, and like, this is what I saw. And I was, remember, I was reminded of Bob Jones' Gulliver word where Jacob's field, the youth would gather, gather there and seek the face of the Lord. And I said, I dream Bob Jones' Gulliver prophecy. This is going to happen in this very stadium. I don't care if the devil tried to name it, change the name of the stadium or not. There's a reason it was called Jacob's field. It wasn't because the owner's last name. It's because there's a Jacob generation that will come seek the face of God. Do you believe that? I believe when Apostle said the Northeastern United States would come into this expression of devotion, honor, order, pierced by righteousness, everything that's being taught, will come in this expression through where? The North Gate. Our Apostle, who doesn't live here, said kids from all around the nation, all around the state and nation, right, Nika? will come here for weekends to get in the presence of God to this house. He said this house will have a revival 10 times what they had in South Carolina. And that's when he was still in South Carolina. Northgate, what are you marrying your faith to? Is it just Sunday night service? Is it just Wednesday youth? Are we stewarding the third great awakening over America? I saw a man for 22 years before I was saved, I would see videos of the year 2000 of praying on the mall in Washington. Praying in 7707 at Titan Stadium, praying for the end of abortion and all these different things. And I'll be honest with you, we're friends with Janet Porter, who's the author of the Heartbeat Bill. And I prayed with her, declared, and did all this stuff. And there's moments where I'm like, man, is this ever really going to happen? Because it seems like the whole world, so if you turn on the TV, you think the whole world is like celebrating it now. Right? Before, that was before this. this and then out of nowhere, when it seems like you lose everything politically, all this stuff happens. In a moment, with the same week, Rovers Wade is killed and prayer is allowed back in school because of a football coach. The two things that happened at the same time back in the what 60s or 70s, prayer was taken on school and abortion was legalized. Rovers Wade happened. Boom. And that man who people mocked, ridiculed, said, You don't have to do that. He may not have, but maybe he did. He had to hear the God for himself, not what I hear for God. Because that's not my assignment. He had an assignment to lead the nation to pray and fast for this stuff. Who am I to criticize it? I'm not. Because after 22 years, he's seen the beginning of the fullness of times. His life work is to end abortion in America. He's seen the beginning of it. I know that terrifies some people because we've been so brainwashed by culture. But I'm telling you, there's 40 million babies under the altar of God crying out for justice. And maybe it's time that God's answering the prayers. We're living in epic time personally. We're living in epic time for this nation. 
there's no way gas double more than doubled in price. Eggs are crazy. Like everything's just like, what, 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 what? God, where are you at? Here you go. Don't worry. It's all going to work out for good. And I challenge you. I challenge you tonight. Hear my heart in this. Are we really about the next generation or we just all talk? That's not a shame thing. That's it's challenging me when I come out and say, if you're gonna come, if you want to pray and your parents won't come with you, I'll be here with you. And I just said, Oh my god, I just wrote a blank check. What'd I just say? That's my mind catching up with my heart. Now I gotta eat the words. But it'd be an honor to do that. Do you have the same heart? God calls us to pray alone. He calls us to pray in family. But none of us should ever have to pray alone. I'm not talking about a private devotion. You know what I'm saying? Are we willing to sacrifice our time? I had a work meeting on Friday. I'm, I'm going to end right here. And there's there's a really rough roller derby chick that I used to work with, believe it or not. Jen got to meet her. But she used to always crack on me because I'm in revival and I'm like, I'm going to change the world, Seven Mountain Mandate. I'm at work. I'm going to change everything. And she'd be like, oh, Mike, real cute. You still want to change the world. Oh, you're just like those little college boys. So cute. Good luck with that. And she would, like, mock me. You know what I'm saying? And I'd be like, I would get so mad. I'm like, you freaking jerk. Why do you even work here? Why do you work here? And we got along well, but she would just make those little comments. I'm like, why do you work here? I'm like, I work here because I want to change the freaking world. That's why I make no money and I do this for a freaking living. I want to change the freaking world. And I would get so mad. I'm like, why do you work here if you don't want to change the world? We don't make anything. It's why we're here. So we're, ah. Stephanie, you could probably relate to that. You know what I mean? I got a job here to change the world. And I would get so frustrated. And I would pour myself into situations. And anytime one of the directors would come and like, hey, Mike, there's a committee. Can you go sit on it? I don't want to be there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go you know, inside of me. I'm like, yeah, I'm a man for a job. I'm going to go change the world. Hey, can you go sit in the United Way thing? Yeah, I'm going to go change. Can you sit in the substance abuse cold? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go change the world. Yeah. Can you go do this thing in Neil? Like, yeah, I'm going to go change the world. And next thing you know, a few years go by and I'm not changing anything. It felt good for a couple of years because I really felt like I was doing something. And what's funny is I lost that. I had Sam and my idea of change the world is raising him right. And speaking into y'all. But I got to see her Friday night because they had a going away party for someone to work with and Jen and I and Sam were there. And I said, hey, Louise, remember when you used to tell me and make fun of me? Oh, you still want to change the world, right? She's like, oh, yeah, you're always trying to change the world. You remember kind of like laughing about it? And I was like, no, oh, yeah, that part kind of died in me. Then I laughed. And as soon as I said it, I felt that thing rise up in me. Here I am. Here I am. And I'm like, I faced my Ishmael. And we got along. She's not a bad person. But it was just, whoo. No, I'm going to change the world but it's not because I'm running around stretching myself thin at work. It's going to happen because I'm going to be willing to give up my evening to come pray with Nate or Cameron. Come on Wednesday night in youth group. 
And if I do nothing else, I'm sitting in the back and pray. Father, get him. Touch him. We make a wall. I'll make a shield wall around you kids so this don't happen again. And I know pastors totally like that all the time. But I just want to let you know, he, God used this thing with Josh to reawaken the lion us. And listen, one of the best teachings I've heard from Elder Mike Minichi with Caleb. You're a lamb right now, but it's time to be a lion. Northgate, when you're tender before the Lord, it's time to be like a gentle lamb. But when it's time to step up in prayer and go out in the streets, and I'm not talking being stupid protesting. Do not hear what I'm saying. I'm not talking about political nonsense. Because if you want to be part of a protest, you're just insane. You're just asking to get beat up or something stupid happen to you. I'm talking there's a lion on the inside of you, and it wants to roar. You know how it roars? With fierce love. Not protesting the violence. With fierce love. When you look at someone with cancer, and you say it's an injustice. You know why my wife loves deliverance? And she's a happy, joyful person, which doesn't make sense because most deliverance people are mean and angry all the time. Probably because all they focus on is devils. She's always, even back in the old days, when a couple of people were criticizing the tent ministry and saying, People were just emotionally, manif- that was soulish manifestations. I'm like, really? So the one that was levitating off the ground, off the tent floor, that me and Bobby, I think it was, prayed for, and Tim Sheets, that she was she was manifesting out of her soul when she was up in the, how many of you saw that? Raise your hand. I'm not the only one. This, this teenage girl floated up in the air about a foot and her arms and legs are hanging down, growling like a bear. I know that'll freak some people out. And we've been getting to pray, and some people said she was just acting out. Okay. And Jen took that real personally, not like offense. She was like, I don't know why people keep bashing deliverance. She's like, to me, it's an injustice. It's like someone took over their home, and it's it's not right. It's unjust, and it's legal. And I get angry, not in a demonic, fleshly way, but I get angry that that person's not free because it's it's not right. And that thing doesn't belong to be there and they need to be set free. That's called love. So that's a lion that awakens you. It's going to be a lamb and the tenderness of the Lord. But I'm telling you, Northgate, it's time for the lion to wake up. It's time for the lion. If you feel hope divert, creep up, you make a choice and say, oh, hell no, it ain't happening again. I'm not going back in depression. I'm not doing it. Why? Because I seen Josh Bell raised from the dead. I don't care if he takes a few months in the nursing home. He should have been dead in moments. I saw Marky OD. They coded him 10 times. Six in the ride there, four in the ER, right, Lisa? Something like that. Bunch of people laid hands on him. We didn't, we're up there praying. We're praying at the church. We had like 50 people there praying at the old gym. He didn't get up like Frankenstein, but he's alive. He's got two babies to this day. Doesn't mean he's a perfect man. Just means he came back to life. God is faithful. So I challenge you, Northgate, rise up. Are we really willing to pay the price? Or we just talk in revival meetings? I don't want to be talking anymore. I want to live this thing out. I want my radical restored. I want my first love restored to the point where I don't whine when someone calls, hey, let's go pray. I want to get excited about it. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to go when there's a prayer meeting and go, nah, I don't feel like it. I'm going to go dibble over here. No, 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 no. You know why? Because I've seen Josh Bell come alive. 
It's not just about him, but I'm telling you, that should encourage you. If you don't come to prayer meetings after that, you got to check yourself in the private prayer life. Because when I saw Adam walk in that Monday, I'm telling you, trembling, like, he was hawking up, man. Walking in the room, I'm like, we got this. To a point where we were praying and we said, you know what? We're not even going to pray for Josh anymore. And I look around, I'm like, Heavers, you feel that? Do you guys feel that? Everyone's like, yeah, we feel like it's good. Now that night I was a little scared. But I challenge you guys, don't put on the youth leaders. This challenge is coming for me tonight. Kids, if your parents won't go, I'll come down here with you. Why? Because I've been the one. I've been the leader in the ministry. We had 10 people when it was going good coming for pre-service prayer. And every single one of them got promoted in outside ministries. Because that's what we said. Go to your home church and come here and get fired. And they all made promises to us, didn't they, Joe? And they all left one by one. You know who was left? Me, Joe, my Uncle Dave. And then my Uncle Dave quit showing up. And it was me and Joe channel. And then I quit showing up. And Joe was the only last one. That's right when we, we met Pastor. We know what it's like to be the only ones in the room tending for revival when everyone else has walked away from you. But I thank God that happened. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here with this family. And I think that's why it happened. Because it wasn't the fullness. In Northgate, we're entering the fullness of times. Some of your businesses may take U-turns this year. May get an idea. Something may open up. I'm telling you, this is the beginning. It's not the end. It's not full maturity. It's just the doors opening for the fullness of times. And everything that we've done until this point was all to prepare us for this moment we're stepping into now. I believe we're only moments away from seeing Rocket Stadium full. Maybe five years, maybe 10 years, I don't care. Filling that stadium is not my aim. But you know what's my aim? Making sure the fire don't go out in every one of these kids. And I'm not going to be afraid it's losing, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, I'm telling you, when Apostle Aaron did that thing, I don't even know what he said. What he, he, when he took Apostle D and he rubbed his back on him and he I encircle you. I protect you. I'm a shield around you. Something on the inside of me said, this is that. Come on, and we say that to the kids in this room. We stand to your feet. Thank you for listening to this message from the Northgate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage. 